0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Hitchcock Happy Hour. I am Lydia Jordan.
1: And I am Sara Shaw.
0: <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that, but it felt right. And this week, we are listening to what could be considered a, a controversial pick. But hear us out. This week, we're talking about The Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, you know, some people say it's a Halloween movie, we we uh, we care to disagree with you, and we're, we we're stand here. by it.
1: <laughs> we're here to argue that this is, in fact, a Christmas movie with Halloween undertones.
0: <laughs> Agreed. And this is a fun one, because our previous episode was The Insects Christmas, which has a similar uh, creepy-crawly vibe. It's also um, stop-motion animation, so we thought that these two paired really well together. And this is our first... Uh, stop motion feature length film so oh kind my of God,
1: fun. yeah you're so right I never thought about that but yeah that's so true um yeah and so we're really excited to talk about this movie and we are also really excited to tell you about the amazing cocktail that we uh spliced together for today's movie because <laughs> I, got, I got a text from Lydia saying I think we should do a pomegranate rosemary vibe <laughs> and that's all the instruction I received um I realized that. But now. we but we worked with it and we came up with a great cocktail. Sometimes that's how we so roll. Are, we just make up our own. These are
0: surprise surprise cocktails. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> so, what are you drinking?
1: So, I um did a I had a little I ran to the store, got a little pomegranate juice, uh and I made a pomegranate sour. So, I did pomegranate juice, gin, I didn't have aquafaba, so I just did regular egg white shook that together um then shook it with ice and then in the oh I forgot to say it in the uh in the shaker I muddled some rosemary as well to get like an extra rosemary tasting vibe because I love to I love to muddle <laughs> and like, then what can I say I'm a muddler <laughs> what can I say I'm an amateur muddler And then I uh, put a sprig of rosemary on top of it. Unfortunately, uh, all of my cocktail glassware was in the wash, and so um, I am drinking it in a mug. It does taste the same, though. Uh,
0: I'm sure it would be beautiful. It's
1: very, like, college vibes. (laughs)
0: No. But I, I kind of love that for us today. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, me too. weirdly
0: ha- enough, without any instruction, I made something pretty much the same. So,
1: <laughs> way to go. <laughs> it's a classic. It. it is. You can't
0: go wrong. Yep, yeah, so mine's basically the same, except I had fresh pomegranate. Th- I didn't know this. Fun little vocab word. They're called arils. Oh, okay. Arils. <laughs> I don't know. However you want to say that. Uh, I had fresh pomegranate arils that I muddled with my uh, rosemary, and then everything else ended <laughs> up the exact same as you. So way to go. And, but you used aquafaba, right? I did. So I, yes, for those of you who are looking for a vegan cocktail recipe, but want that like silky, delicious texture and like nice foam on top, you can drain a can of chickpeas, reserve that liquid. And that is what aquafaba is. So there you go. I just did like an ounce of that and it turned out really delicious. You can't tell there that it's yeah, what there, I was
1: there you go. Yeah, That's sometimes it. a vegan option is better. I wanted that, but I um didn't have a can of chickpeas on hand, unfortunately. You're like way more Persian than I am today. You had fresh pomegranate and a can of chickpeas on hand, and I had neither of those things.
0: Yeah, I also have some dill in the fridge, so Damn, come on. Wow. I know. Who Just
1: to clarify, we did not <laughs> put dill in this cocktail. Dill was not muddled. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, dill was harmed in the making of this cocktail. I
1: keep it strictly to other dishes. (laughs) Um, I think now is a great time to also inform people the correct way to eat a pomegranate. So I'm going to just, I'm just going to take that, take this moment to. As the the Persian person on
0: this podcast, it's my duty to inform you. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for asking. Uh, How do you eat a pomegranate, Sarah? Thank you so much for asking. I will tell you. (laughs) It's, you just take a bite out of it. Just like an apple, right? Oh my God. No. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus
0: Christ. (laughs) Psychopath.
1: Oh my god. No, the but it's so efficient and so much easier. So basically, you just take a whole pomegranate and you roll it, like roll the shit out of it on on like a countertop or whatever. And then you um like cut a little piece and then you stick a straw in it and just drink the juice like that. Oh my god. A genius. A genius walks among us. Yeah, well, I mean, thousands of years of eating pomegranates in in Persian (laughs) tradition. I think they've (laughs) mastered the way to get the juice out efficiently.
0: Uh, I wish I had done that. I spent like five hours individually plucking out <laughs> Arils. It was my, it was like a weird like Tuesday night activity where I was like, you know what, I'm gonna put on a podcast and like get to work on this one
1: <laughs> two hours later. That feels very, very reminiscent of how I had to make the ginger bourbon when I was in Canada, and I couldn't find (laughs) ginger juice anywhere. You were like grating and then like squeezing the juice. Oh my god! It took so. It took me like two hours to get like an ounce of ginger. Milking, just milking the ginger root. (laughs) The ginger root, just like just just going ham on this ginger root. You know what? I anyway, just want
0: to point out, we, we really do suffer for our art, that's all. Yeah, we do.
1: <laughs> we really hope that you guys are also making these cocktails because what we go through <laughs> to get why? these recipes for you guys.
0: Everyone's like, actually, we hate the, the cocktails, that's not why we come. We're like, well then, what are we doing? Let us know, yeah. but we have fun. I do get to try a lot of cocktails, um, yeah. which is fun.
1: Yeah, it's really expanded my cocktail knowledge for sure. But anyway, so great cocktail for a really fun movie. Um, shall we dive in? Um, let's. Okay. I'm not so. gonna lie, this uh, thing is already hitting me
0: a little bit. Well, and, you've already you know, drank
1: like three fourths of it. So. Um, I did. I
0: I was, uh, yeah, I got to work.
1: You did. I, listen, hard work pays off. It does. Work hard, play hard, you know? Exactly. I think so. Exactly. What? Well. Wow. <laughs> oh, make boy. Sense going to be a doozy today. <laughs> um all right, so let's 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 dive into this amazing movie. So, uh A Nightmare Before Christmas is the 1993 stop motion musical dark fantasy holiday film. Mm, yeah, I mean, right?
0: <laughs> no, all of them were correct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you. Um correct descriptors. Uh, this movie was directed by Henry Selleck and produced and conceived by Tim Burton. Fun fact that I did not know, actually, is that Sally is voiced by our Christmas and Halloween queen, Catherine O'Hara. I had no I idea. <laughs> I was well, so I excited. It up
0: because I was like, I recognize this voice, but I couldn't place it. And lo and behold...
1: There she is. It, I love that. It Was Moira Moira our Rose, our queen, Kevin's mom, and I the was lady say, from in Beetlejuice. The flesh, but uh, not in the flesh. In fact, in the clay. not in the flesh. It was in the clay. It was in the. <laughs> cl- <laughs> um. The movie was inspired by a three-page poem that Tim Burton wrote while he was working as an animator at Walt Disney Studios. The timeline of this is a little bit. I couldn't like get like, a full, like, con- confirmation timeline, but I'm pretty sure he wrote this poem, like, in the late 70s, so the concept of this movie has really been bouncing around for, like, 20 years until it actually was produced. Um, the poem, he wrote it, it was called A Nightmare Before Christmas, and it was inspired by Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, How a Grinch Stole Christmas, and the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas, He wanted to adapt the poem into a television special with the narration spoken by Vincent Price, actually, so that would have been kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, That would have been
0: fabulous. Yeah, Vincent Price,
1: yeah, he was actually supposed to voice Santa Claus in the movie, but... His wife had recently passed away, and they found that his his voice was like too sad to be Santa Claus. Oh, no, that's so I know. sad. <laughs> I know. So he, in fact, did not um, did not partake in the making of this movie, unfortunately. Um, but Tim Burton said that the inspiration of the poem and the film came from his own feelings of solitude from growing up in Burbank, <laughs> and really. And really never experiencing seasons as portrayed in movies and being obsessed with like stereotypical <laughs> ideas of Halloween and Christmas,
0: <laughs> so yeah,
1: shout out to Burbank.
0: <laughs> Why have proper seasons when you can have Hollywood seasons
1: <laughs> <laughs> well it it made this amazing holiday movie all these stereotypicals stereotypical ideas of of holidays. Um, So it was really interesting. So Burton and another Disney animator who was Henry Selick who ended up directing this movie, they wanted to develop the poem into an animated short for Disney, Uh, but Disney deemed it too weird for the company's image and Burton was subsequently fired from Disney in 1984.
0: Wow, okay. (laughs) They were like, not only do we think you're a little bit you know left of center but we're actually gonna fire you for coming forward with this idea
1: they actually (laughs) said that they they couldn't um they didn't have enough at that time they couldn't uh the quote was like they couldn't provide the nocturnal loners with enough scope to make this movie
0: (laughs) wow that's some very uh like precisely chosen language
1: (laughs) Yes, very much, very much so. But what happened after he got fired is that Burton went on pretty immediately after he got fired to di- to direct two commercial successes which were Beetlejuice and Batman. And then so he was like riding high on a couple of really successful films and Disney then kind of saw that and then saw the money bags and were like, "Okay, here's an opportunity to continue our own uh streak of success." And they decided to kind of reapproach him by saying that they wanted to use the film as a way to like herald in this new era of um creative and technical achievement in animation and they said that they were willing at that point and that was like in the early 90s to to expand their idea the solitude loners he required (laughs) 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 yeah literally they're like okay i think we can use this opportunity to like expand our image (laughs) and so that was the time and so Burton eventually collaborated with uh, Danny Elfman to write the music for the movie, and they adapted it into a feature-length film and made it into a musical instead uh, of a short animated film. Um, It was a critical and commercial success when it came out, and it remained a critical and commercial success for the next 28 years, which is today. (laughs) So it is still a super popular movie. Um, It holds a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes and... Most importantly, it is ranked number six on Rotten Tomatoes' list of 65 best Christmas films. Wow. Yeah. So, it is considered, by Rotten Tomatoes, a Christmas film.
0: Um, you're like, your honor, I believe that I have made my point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Here's evidence. Rotten Tomatoes. Number one and number two on the list were, in fact, It's a Wonderful Life and Miracle on 34th Street. Wow. So, that checks out a little bit. That
0: does check. That tracks.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that that tracks. So let's uh, let's dive into the plot because it's like super bonkers, and I'm really excited <laughs> to, to actually spell take, it take out. Take me on a wild ride, once, Sarah. <laughs> because once you're like spelling out this plot, you're just like, what is this? This is so strange. But anyway, so Halloween Town is a fantasy world populated by various monsters and supernatural beings. Jack Skellington, the respected by the citizens as the pumpkin king, leads them in organizing the annual Halloween celebrations. However, <laughs> the original sad boy, Jack Skellington has grown tired of the same annual traditions and longs for something new. Wandering in the woods the next morning, he encounters six trees containing doors leading to other holiday-themed worlds and stumbles into one leading to Christmastown awed by the unfamiliar holiday, Jack returns home to show everybody his findings but is un- but unaware of the idea of Christmas. They compare everything to ho- the ideas of Halloween. Um however, they do relate to one Christmastown character, its ruler Santa Claus or as Jack mistakenly calls him Sandy Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Incredible. Um, Jack sequesters himself in his house to study Christmas further and find a way to rationally explain it to the townspeople. After studying and experimentation get him nowhere, Jack ultimately decides that Christmas should be improved rather than understood and announces that Halloween Town will take over Christmas this year. Jack assigns the residents many Christmas-themed jobs, including uh, singing carols, making presents, and building a sleigh pulled by skeletal reindeer. Sally, the feminine creation of local mad scientist Dr. Finkelstein, uh, who secretly loves Jack, experiences a vision detailing that their efforts will end disastrously, but Jack dismisses them and assigns her the task of making him a Santa Claus suit. He also tasks the mischievous trick-or-treating trio lock shock and barrel to abduct santa claus and bring him to halloween town jack tells santa that he will be handling christmas in his place this year and orders the trio to keep santa safe but against his wishes they instead deliver santa to jack's longtime rival oogie boogie a boogeyman who has a passion for gambling and plots to play a game with santa's life at stake (laughs) this plot is so funny um Sally attempts to rescue Santa and save both him and Jack from their potential fates, but she is captured as well. Jack delivers his presence to the real world, but he instead frightens everybody who contact the authorities <laughs> and are instructed by the authorities to lock down their homes and residences for protection. When word spreads about Jack's presumed wrongdoings, he is ultimately shot down by military forces, causing him to crash into a cemetery. While all of Halloween Town sadly believes him to be dead, Jack actually survived. As he bemoans the disaster he has caused, he finds jo- he finds that he enjoyed the experience nonetheless, reigniting his love of Halloween. But soon realizes that he he must act fast to fix his mess. Jack returns home and infiltrates Oogie Boogie's lair, rescuing Santa and Sally before confronting his nemesis and defeating it's him in like
0: the most like epic claymation fight scene of all time. <laughs>
1: it's wild because they so jack like unravels his like cloth outerwear or whatever and it reveals that he's just like made up by like a bunch of bugs and so they said that i was reading about that and basically just any time so they had like all these animators working on this movie and anytime any of them during the entire production had downtime, they were like tasked with just like using their downtime to like make these bugs because there were like literally hundreds of these tiny bugs that they had to make. Wow. So, this is like straight up Insects Christmas. It's like <laughs> Insects
0: Christmas on like steroids. They're like, and then later we're gonna film two beetles fighting. <laughs> <laughs> That's the fight
1: scene. <laughs> oh no, we oh got that. <laughs> Oh no, let's just make them out of clay. (laughs) Duh. Jack apologizes to Santa for his actions, to which he, despite being furious at Jack for the trouble he has caused and ignoring Sally's forewarnings, assures him that he can still save Christmas. As Santa replaces Jack's presents with genuine ones, all of Halloween Town celebrates Jack's survival and his return. Jack then shows, uh, or excuse me, Santa then shows Jack that there are no hard feelings between them by bringing a snowfall to the town, which fulfills Jack's original dream in a way that causes the residents to finally realize the true meaning of Christmas. Amidst all the spooky Christmas cheer, Jack and Sally finally declare their love for each other. And that's how the movie ends. So sweet. The best love story ever. Yeah. So it is a pretty bonkers, like, plot but it's pretty thin as well like it's a pretty simple plot <laughs> well. so um let's kind of just dive into the analysis i think we're gonna we're gonna make this argument that this is a christmas movie with halloween undertones and it i mean it can definitely be viewed as both but it definitely is i think a very much in the spirit of christmas um has a lot to to portray about the sentiment that comes with the holidays So, I think while this movie evokes both, like, Halloween and Christmas spirits, respectively, I personally prefer to think of it as a Christmas movie over a Halloween movie, because the ultimate meaning of the film, to me, is that without, like, the joy of the winter holiday spirit, life sort of seems meaningless, even in Halloween. (laughs) So, I think that a lot of, like, this movie is about the magic that the holidays bring, and it's something that's kind of unexplainable. So that's kind of what I think is really beautiful about about the movie. um I don't know what you think about. No, that, I agree. I'd thought. also
0: like to put forth another piece of evidence pr- proving this is a Christmas movie. Um, at Disneyland, they turn uh, the Haunted Mansion around Christmas time into a Nightmare Before Christmas themed ride. So it has. So even Disney even believes, Disney believes this, is this is a Christmas movie. So I don't know who is who is a naysayer at this point, but I think there's a lot of evidence showing that this <laughs> is, in fact, a Christmas film. And to your point, I think the themes around it really involve, like, that Christmas spirit and cheer that um, I think are really special and that, you know, Jack is really struggling to try to understand.
1: Yeah. And I think, like, while, kind of like you said, like, it's definitely a Christmas movie, while it embodies Halloween too, I think... It the movie what it does as a whole is that it aims to show the audience the importance of the holidays as an entire kind of like like full concept as opposed to breaking down Christmas and Halloween as two separate things and I think it uses that as the backdrop for finding the meaning of like true love or things like that that can only happen in this like magical like fantasy world that the holidays kind of bring what's kind of special about holiday movies is like these kind of things that aren't really realistic happen, but we're all kind of okay with it because it's, you know, it's holiday magic and it's kind of like this in the spirit of Christmas and things like that. And and I think, you know, we kind of see that in the beginning of this movie. I mean, it starts with Jack, you know, having his like melancholy stroll through the woods and he's seeking, singing Jack's Lamont and he's expressing his like ennui and dissatisfaction for the same routine of Halloween every year. I mean, I think the importance of that is that, the discovery of Christmas leads him to find this like new zest for life but it's I think what it doesn't end there which is really interesting because I think he what what is really misguided about him and what he like then needs to go on his kind of like hero's journey for to find is that he has this specific idea of what Christmas should be and then he attempts to kind of like spell out or explain this meaning and it turns the Christmas spirit into something like super misguided and I think that's kind of really interesting when you try to like put these two you know these two holidays together as kind of like the bookends of the holiday season and I think what this movie does really well is that it it does a good job in showing that it, it becomes obvious I think to me at least with the two songs this is Halloween and what's this it shows this like dichotomy between kind of the grimness of Halloween and then the cheerfulness of Christmas which all kind of they kind of go together they kind of like blend together a little bit and you can't really have one without the other which I think is really interesting because it's not two holidays that we consider to be two that should like coexist which I find I don't know I find it really 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 interesting and I mean it kind of just showcases the magic of this specific time of year, which is, like, the holiday season. So, I don't know. I, I think it's really, I think it's cool, but I don't know what you think about no, that. No,
0: I, I couldn't agree more. And what's funny is I think this might have been my first time in my adult life watching this film. I definitely remember watching it, like, as a child, and I think I didn't really understand fully what was happening because it is, like, kind of bizarre.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, it is a little weird. But
0: I, I do think that there is... I think especially like as a kid growing up with this kind of as part of our like lexicon like cultural lexicon um it is just it made the holidays feel so exciting and like really did kind of highlight these different themes around you know like the spookiness of, of Halloween and like you know the ability to kind of be scary and be a little creepy um, and then kind of the joy and wonder of of Christmas that I think, especially as a kid, like you felt both of those so deeply. And even as an adult, I think that this really gets to those like child like wonder. And, and Jack's almost like a kid in a way, like the way that he's discovering Hall- or Christmas for the first time.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think like his kind of melancholy throughout the beginning of the movie kind of just i mean that is very like childlike and that he 's really bored with his life and he 's really bored with like the same routine that he has to go through every year and he 's longing for something new and that 's something that young people can definitely relate to i think um which I think is what this movie's i think when you're when I watched this movie and i I was kind of i 'm kind of like you in that like i I watched it a lot when I was a kid i'm I almost like a huge Tim Burton fan and i haven't seen it in a long time and watching it as an adult i kind of it i to me this movie feels really personal like it feels like this is very very personal for tim burton this movie and and I think he was really protective of it and I think one thing that I thought was really interesting is that Disney really wanted to make a sequel because it was so successful and he really went out of his way to convince them not to make a sequel because he thought it would kind of ruin the pur- the purpose of this movie being like this standalone holiday film because the the what Disney wanted to do was kind of explore the other you know, holiday towns that you know they what's kind of... funny is, like, I
0: you know, was like, you know what would be fun if they did another one where they explored that? I was
1: like, I want to go to Easterland. <laughs> no, there was, like, the Thanksgiving town or whatever. I'm like, what could that... What would that be? Like, so, like, it's nothing... But Disney wanted to do that, but Tim Burton was like, no, this is a very, like, specific, like, it was, like, a very you could tell it was like very personal for him and his specific sentiments about growing up with Halloween and Christmas and what he was feeling around those times of year and I think something that I found really interesting that he said was like he felt growing up in Burbank everything was always the same in terms of the mood of the seasons, and he always felt really like solitary, very lonely, unless it was the holiday season, and and something about Halloween and Christmas, kind of would evoke this like emotion in him that he never was able to explain, and I think that's kind of what we get through in the movie, and that you can kind of see like his younger self in Jack Skellington's character, I think, and that everything like the same routine every single year is what is making him kind of feel super. You know, lost in in what he wants and what he likes in the world, which is really interesting. But I want to take you know, t- kind of take a minute to talk about the the simplicity of this movie, and and I found this really interesting because watching this as an adult, I'm like the plot is like super simple, and the animation. Obviously, this movie came out like twenty eight years ago, so it's not like CGI. Like it's really, really, it's pretty incredible how this movie stands up today for in terms of animation. And I think that it's it's pretty interesting to think that a 28-year-old animated film is still so popular today. I mean, it's still popular with young kids today, too. Um, even when they have access to more, you know, developed and expansive types of technology in, in animation. But I think there's something really... I think there's something really timeless about stop motion.
0: And we we talked a little bit about this last episode, too. But I think there is, like something so, like, real and concrete about it that it it does feel timeless, like, it doesn't really age. Like, I still love, you know, I mean, they're not stop motion, but I still love some of the, like, more, like, cartoon versions of things versus, like, you know, kind of the more realistic animation because there is something very, very, like, special about that. Um, And and I think especially for a film that's really all about kind of the joy that the holidays can bring, I, I think that that kind of timeless and childlike wonder that, that stop motion animation brings is the perfect medium for a film like
1: this yeah I agree and I I don't know why I have this with stop motion but I um I always get like a really kind of like overwhelming sense of like sentimentality when I watch stop motion movies and I mean I they weren't like they were I watched them a lot when I was a kid but they weren't like something um that was like super present in my childhood in, in in a way that would like evoke a memory of some sort but there's something really sentimental about stop motion and I think there, it's kind of it's such like a narrow niche area of animation that there are there also especially you know almost 30 years ago there it was so new this this way of doing animation there they there wasn't there weren't very many people that did this and so I think it's it's you can tell like everyone involved in this movie are like the best at their job and they're putting so much effort and care into making these details in these in these characters. I mean like all of these characters have different personalities in this movie and it's pretty amazing that they the way that they film this movie is not on a computer. I mean it's it's pretty incredible. Like this is like claymation. It's and it's fascinating how much detail goes into it, kind of like we talked about about um the the uh, with the oogie boogie man or whatever he you know he's made out of like all of these little bugs that somebody handmade I mean they're like not made on a computer and it's really fascinating to me I mean it's just that it kind of feels like a timeless untouchable type of animation that like even you know computer digital animation CGI like they they still can't touch that like it's never going to change it's always going to be like that because it's so special so i don't know I, I find it really interesting um and i think like what's really hard to believe about this movie and i think you know minus the technical achievement like that's obviously the reason this movie so outstanding to me but it it was such a widespread instant classic and i think it, when you actually examine it, like while the plot is like totally bizarre, it's pretty simple, like it's kind of a bonkers like plot, but it's like pretty simple and straightforward. But I think that's kind of what the beauty of it is is that the visual sto- storytelling of this kind of like evokes this certain timeless emotion that that can be universally felt during the holiday season and during the Christmas season. I think that's when people like why I kind of think this is a Christmas movie is that I think during the Christmas time and the you know, the December holidays, um is when people are more susceptible to having these like sentimental emotions and when you watch these this type of movie, it's like universal feelings that everybody can feel at the same time together when you watch this film. And I think that's kind of what makes it a Christmas movie to me. But um No, I
0: I totally agree. Yeah, I I think it definitely does have yeah all the things that you want in a in a feel good Christmas film and and it is like, you know, really pleasurable to watch <laughs> and it's something that's it's kind of like it, it's you can watch it with a person of any age like it isn't there's not really anyone too young or too old even the stuff that's like scary is kind of silly you know so it never feels too scary
1: no I totally agree and I I think you know what what I want before you know before we kind of wrap it up I, I want to like I think it's worth taking a minute to kind of highlight the important part of this movie, which to me is, um, while it's so, like, beautifully filmed, like, the visuals, I think what brings all of the emotion to the forefront through the visuals is the score. I think the score is really, really good in this movie. So,
0: this is where I, like,
1: definitely disagree. <laughs> okay, you don't like the, you no, don't like the music?
0: <laughs> no. No, I don't.
1: I really, really like but the music. after I movie. watched it,
0: because I just, like, I don't know what it was. I I actually really do enjoy musicals. I did not vibe with this soundtrack. I did not like the score.
1: I'm, like, shocked because This Is Halloween is, like, one of the most no, iconic I like songs. This Is
0: Halloween, but just some of the other ones. And I think it's because what's interesting when I research this, and I don't know if you were going to talk about this, but um, Danny Elfman and Tim Burton really wanted a score that would be timeless. So they settled on, a like, an operetta style Um which didn't really have, like, a clear theme, like, or not not a clear theme, but it, it wasn't, like, you know, the music of the 90s or something using something very, like, right. you know, kind of dateable um, or, like, you know, something that you could, like, tie very clearly to, like, a, a time period. It is something that is a little bit more, it is timeless. Um, I personally just found a lot of the songs to be, like, very just similar and kind of annoying. And I...
1: yeah because that's what an operetta sounds like (laughs) everything is similar what's really interesting that I found is that um the song uh what's this which what's this and this is Halloween are like my the songs that I like and I don't I don't like love all the songs in this in this movie I think the score is really good but I and I think it ties all of the like visuals together really well but the songs that I like really just think are really good are what's this and this is Halloween And what's this is actually like modeled after the model major general song from the Pirates of Penzance, which is in fact an operetta.
0: Well, see, it makes a lot of sense. And I mean, This Is Halloween is such a classic. I I do really like that one. And that is one that, like, I will give credit where credit is due. That's a banger. But like some of the other ones, to me, they weren't very memorable. Like, This Is Halloween is what I think of when I think of this film. It starts off strong with that. And then to me, it kind of just went downhill after that. I don't know.
1: So, I think maybe that's where a lot of the debate comes in because I think a lot of people uh, pretend they've seen this movie, but they've actually only just seen this scene with this song, and so they think it's a Halloween movie. And I think because the song is clearly the best song and it's literally called This Is Halloween, <laughs> people think it's a Halloween movie, but it's not. And I think that's what's really interesting is that, like, th- that is the memorable song of the movie, and it's not what really the movie is, like, then about, kind of but it is it is absolutely a banger it's a banger. I think It's like the that is how the movie starts it right it's like that, that is the, the first, first scene first, of the movie
0: the it's first, first thing so you see and then you're introduced to halloween town and it's perfection it's halloween night they're ghosting and ghouling the pumpkin king is fucking slaying it
1: yeah he's literally like being like reborn out of a cauldron it's amazing
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's some next level shit but um yeah it To me, I think I understand what they were trying to accomplish with the score, and I do think that Danny Elfman is a genius when it comes to music. To me, after the first song, I just... I don't know that it, like, 100% met the mark. I think it did allow the characters to develop, and it did provide agency and further the plot, but, like, I just don't know that there was anything to me that I would want to listen, like, on its own
1: you know? Do you think this movie shouldn't have been a musical or do you think the music should have been different?
0: I mean, I think it would have been fine not as a musical. I I was, I had forgotten that it was, to be totally honest. I was kind of, like, surprised when I was like, oh, that's right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I, I look at, like, Chicago as, like, a really great, like, musical
1: fucking great and best i feel musical like ever. if it
0: had a little bit more of like that flair to it it would be so much more enjoyable so you're <laughs> what you're
1: saying is that a movie about Halloween Town and christmastown should have sounded like a 1920s jazz opera is <laughs> what i want yeah <laughs> honestly chicago yeah i totally okay I get where you're coming from for sure like this is not a movie where I like listen to the score Chicago in fact is yeah, a movie where I listen exactly. to the score pretty I, I mean
0: there are just banger after banger and like so many really really memorable songs that again do play really important parts in the film um but are also really great standalone pieces and I think like what I was expecting that really like lacked for me was beyond this is halloween i don't know that there was one other song that i was like oh my god this is so good i love this i would totally listen to this like in the car
1: (laughs) i don't know (laughs) that's fair no i mean that's only fair i just i also like vibe with the genre of jazz over like opera yeah I do think I I am of the belief that this the score is really good for the purpose of this movie. But I agree, I understand where you're coming from for sure. And I, de- I definitely like don't there are songs that are not memorable in this in this movie. Whereas in Chicago, like every single song is like an absolute banger for God, sure.
0: God, so many good ones. I was just gonna start listing guess
1: songs. <laughs> guess what we're Guess we're gonna probably do? Be doing an episode on Chicago. Guess, guess we'll
0: have to too. do that. What a bummer. <laughs>
1: Oh my god, I can, I think I can do the entire, like, spoken word of Cell Block Tango,
0: I'm pretty sure. Well, we'll test that theory, um, in a future episode, because <laughs> I think I can too, um, it will be amazing.
1: <laughs> the episode will just be us doing that it's song, that's It's just us, it.
0: <laughs> like, talk singing the entire, uh, score, and that's just what the episode is.
1: <laughs> in total sidebar, now that we're on this, like, Chicago tangent, um, When I was my first year of law school, I don't know how this happened, but in my friend group the the theme like this the like like Study workout song, like the not the workout song, but like the study song, and the song that we would like listen to to like go into our exams and like slay the exams was All That Jazz. Oh, <laughs> wow, I love that. I mean, Overture All That Jazz. Like, we would just listen to that anytime we had to study, and then before an exam, like, we'd all put that song in and then just like get in the mindset of like crushing an exam. And we're just like, okay, like, wow, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: gonna go. say, it's kind of a weird workout song, but hey,
1: do you? <laughs> I meant I at more like mental <laughs> no, workout, not no, like but actual But now I'm
0: picturing workout. someone like doing like a routine to it. I'm kind of living for it, like Cody.
1: It has a great build, Cody.
0: Cody from Peloton, can you please put uh, that into one of your routines? Thank
1: you. Do like in like a like a, a Kygo remix <laughs> of all. Jazz. Honestly, I'd be here for it. I'd <laughs> be I'd be down. Anyway, that was a total sidebar. I'm so no, sorry. No,
0: <laughs> I liked it. I thought you were going to tell a different story about a different musical, so. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. But
1: that's a story um, maybe for another yeah.
0: time.
1: That's okay. That might be a story for another time. Um, Also a brilliant musical, Hamilton. But uh, that that particular story is a story. <laughs> <one day. laughs>
0: You'll hear it eventually. We have to keep some secrets, you know, like some surprises.
1: We will say, though, if we ever do tell that story, we do have photo evidence of the story. Yeah, we do. (laughs) I'm so glad we do. I'm so glad that I didn't say that story right now. Anyway. (laughs) Um, But anyway, kind of back to to this and just to kind of, you know, wrap it up. This is kind of a shorter one because it's um, more just along the lines of animation and stuff like that. But I think kind of all in all for me what's what I found really interesting when I was reading about this is um what makes this such a unique Christmas movie and I hadn't actually thought about this uh before is so from like the entire like Christmas movie canon it is the it it like it's the only one that doesn't do what most Christmas movies do or try to do is that in that it it does not actually explain the meaning of christmas <laughs> like that's the whole point of the movie and i i never really got that and i thought that that that's really interesting because the whole point of the film is that jack literally cannot describe the meaning of christmas and the feelings that he that were like evoked in him when he went to christmas town and he can't explain those or put those into detail for for his other friends And I think that's the whole point is that the feelings and the sentiments of the holidays are so personal and they're kind of indescribable and I think to me like that's the true like magic of a Christmas movie in that it you know it doesn't ever no one everyone like doesn't come together at the end and they're like ah yes this is the exact meaning of Christmas it's like no I think what's really fascinating about this film is that that's what he tries to do and he fails every time and he ruins Christmas by trying to explain it because it's something that should kind of remain magical and kind of in a fantasy of its own and I think that's what's really interesting about why this is a really why it's a Christmas movie and why it's so beautiful um and just kind of like my I don't know I don't know what do you have do you agree with that I don't know if you agree with that (laughs) it's just a thought that I had thought it was really fascinating
0: no I totally agree and I think that what's interesting too about this film and I don't know if this is just it feels like quintessentially nineties, I think, in this way, but I think growing being like a nineties kid, um, it, it's really about a beyond I think it being like a Christmas story, I think it's also like a coming of age story for Jack. Like I think that it's it's really around like not being afraid to be yourself, even if that's a little bit weird. Um, you know, and I, I think too, like what this story also I think tries to teach or get across is that it's okay to try things and and mess up like it just it can provide other opportunities for you to like learn and then take that and do something different and I feel like I don't know if you agree but I feel like that was a lot of the messaging of the 90s was like very much like be your own person and like it's okay to mess up like just you know maybe like try to try to learn something from it
1: (laughs) try to learn something from it and do better and like understand like forgiveness is like a good quality
0: Try to do the right thing. And I think he does that here, you know, and nobody has any, like, hard feelings about it. He doesn't get, like, punished by Santa or something.
1: <laughs> no, and I think that's, yeah, like, I think that's what's, what, that's a really good point. And that, like, he, I think his whole, his whole arc is that he's like all sad and he kind of is maybe assuming that everybody else feels the same way and then he doesn't really know what to do about it and he's like I have to leave these people but my heart really isn't in it in this Halloween tradition and then when he finds Christmas it 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 kind of brings this feeling up in him and kind of like revives his like idea of joy and what really makes him happy and he's so excited about it and when he goes to try to explain it to his you know fellow townspeople they just they don't understand because they didn't experience it for themselves and they're only going off of what they know and i think he's he's trying so hard to make them feel the same way or to show them how beautiful that feeling is that it, it goes so wrong but i think his heart like that's what's you know it's he wasn't doing it for yeah, like a he was bad to be malicious. You know, he his, was just
0: trying to put it into terms that like he knew everyone else could understand right
1: and I think that's you know that's where it went so wrong. But I think that's why there's no hard feelings in that he learned his lesson and he learned like what the meaning was. But we we never have the meaning spelled out for us. But I think that's like because he had to per- he personally learned it and and it's not something you can explain. And I that's what's really like beautiful about this movie. And I you know just kind of a final thought for me when I was watching this and this this is a movie where I actually thought about this, which I think is really interesting for me it was just like a personal reaction for me but for me like movies and my love for movies come first and foremost from the idea that they're like escape and escape from reality i always go to them when i want to just like get away or feel something different or something like that and it's, it's just something that just can completely just change like how you're feeling and i think movies have this like magical ability to transport you into any world with full believability and i think the holidays have a very similar quality and similar type of magic about them and that's why i think certain holiday films whether they be about halloween or about christmas have this unique ability to kind of transport you into any type of fantasy world without losing a sense of sentimentality that makes it so special and that's something that I was feeling when I was watching this movie and it's one of the rare ones that does it so effortlessly where I was like feeling that and I was really you're just like in this fantasy world and it's so beautiful and that's why I love it so much because it doesn't really ruin the magic of that by trying to explain the meaning of, of anything or give you a behind the scenes look at the technical of of a movie making thing and and I think it's just so simply, it just so simply, like, invo- evokes these, like, certain emotions that I always associate with the holidays, holidays, um, or kind of, like, how, you know, watching movies makes me feel. And I think that's why it's such a special movie, and it's just, like, all in all, kind of, you know, whether or not you like the music or not, it's kind of, like, pure fun, sentimental fantasy with just the right around, right amount of, like, relatable ennui to make it, like, such a timeless film. <laughs>
0: No, it's true. Well, yeah,
1: so that's you know that's kind of my like two cents on the the movie and the kind of emotions that it evoked in me when I when I watched it. So I don't know if you what you feel about it. Do you have any no. last? No, I mean words? I feel like how
0: how can I top that? You summed it up so nicely. All I have to say is bravo, well done. This was thank you for leading us through this uh, Christmas classic.
1: <laughs> Would you recommend this one to people?
0: Yeah, I mean I think it's a really it's a really fun one. Again, like for. I think there's a lot of people out there who feel like this is a really nostalgic film. And I think it is fun. It's like, you know, it's great for people of any age. It is just a really timeless film. And whether or not you love the music, um, there's so much, I think in this film to love and just to appreciate because it is clearly such a labor of love and such a personal film that was created that, you know, I just think that that shows and it is, there is the end of it I think to your point really does like give you that, that warm Christmas feeling um, which is what a good movie
1: should do <laughs> I absolutely agree. Um, well, that's kind of all uh, I had about this movie. I think it's a fun one. I think, like you said, like it is very nostalgic for a lot of people, and it's definitely just full of fun if you're if you're into that for either Halloween or Christmas. But I think we both agree that it's more Christmas leaning than. <laughs> but than you Halloween. know what?
0: You can watch it kind of all uh, autumn and winter seasons. It's definitely appropriate. Yeah, it's
1: definitely <laughs> it's definitely appropriate for sure. Well, um, that's, that kind of wraps us up this week, but we have a fun lineup coming next week. We're back to our classics. We're going back, back to our black and white films, um, for now. And next week, what are we going to be watching, Lydia? Well,
0: next week we'll be watching probably one of my favorite Christmas movies of all time, Miracle on 34th Street. Um, I literally can't wait. It's going to be so much
1: fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm really excited about it, too. And uh, after Miracle on 34th Street, we're going to be also watching another one of our our favorites. It's such a fun one and just honestly pure joy and laughter. Um, the kind of underappreciated, underrated uh, Christmas classic, Christmas in Connecticut. Yeah, this is going <laughs> to be a fun lineup.
0: I mean, two just heavy hitter Christmas films that really, again, like, they just...
1: They give you, like, the true spirit of Christmas, so. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Well, join us next week as we talk about two really fun Christmas movies and have two really fun cocktails that uh, we will decide last minute, probably. Yeah, it's going to be super
0: (laughs) fun, and I think –
1: By now, our gift guide should
0: be live, so make sure to check that out. We put together a really amazing assortment of different types of spirits. We tried to find some distillers that we think are really exemplary and are doing really special things in this space so that we can support some businesses that are maybe smaller, women-owned, Black-owned. Like I just think all of that's really important this Christmas season as we're spending money and finding gifts that... You know, for people that we love, so check that out. And we also have a shoppable gift gift guide in our Instagram, so um, be sure to check that out as well. We put a lot of thought into it, and there's some, I think, some really fun like drink related things. So
1: <laughs> there's some fun products in there, and it's products that we like, and so it's not just random things we picked. We're also not affiliated with any of it. We're not getting paid no, for just, any of that. We're just it's just, it's just purely we things we enjoy. Cool. Yeah, and we thought you think was cool. Yeah. It's just- <laughs> absolutely some stuff that might be going on our christmas yeah. list well. i have
0: my eye on that ice maker which i realize is ridiculous i know you do but i want it so <laughs> bad our ice maker is disconnected and we aren't allowed to use it so i have no ice ever and it's awful
1: <laughs> i know so you're like mind on the ice maker well check those out and it's perfect for you know when you're looking for something for the holiday season for somebody and until next week when we have our fun two old school christmas movies cheers, cheers.